0: I'm Denzel Muhammad, and this is JobMakers. Migration stories aren't always simple. Families might have moved to different countries and different generations for different reasons. However, it is that entrepreneurial spirit of leaving everything behind, taking a risk, and working for better in a new land that not only keeps them going, but drives innovation and resourcefulness. For Dinesh Wadwani, founder and CEO of Thinklight LLC in Natick, Massachusetts, and immigrant from Ghana, that journey began with his grandfather, who was forced to flee India for another British colony. And despite having to work all alone from nothing, he was able to build a business in Ghana and pave the way for the generations to come. When Dinesh moved to the United States in 2008, as a student at Babson College, the mandate from his father was clear. Build a life and a business in the US and not return to Ghana. And that's just what Dinesh did. Even while he was studying entrepreneurship, he became an entrepreneur. In just a few short years, his technology-based life science solutions business expanded across the globe and evolved into a life-saving enterprise, purifying the air in hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic as you learn in this week's Job Makers. Dinesh Wadwani, founder and CEO of Thinklight. Welcome to Job Makers. How are you?
1: I'm very well. Thank you, Denzel. Thank you for having me here today. I, I truly appreciate it.
0: So give us a 30-second pitch about your business. What is Thinklight all about?
1: So Thinklight is a technology company based out of the Boston area here in Massachusetts. Uh, We specialize in high-end technologies, specializing in facilities and and IoT. We started off in the energy space, which has grown into a a large division and a company that there's high-end efficiency lighting for commercial applications, Uh, We have a division that does grow lighting for agriculture and and poultry optimization. And most importantly, which has come center stage the last few years, we have an air division that specializes in uh, very tiny, particulate monitoring of viral loads in the air in the healthcare space. And as you can imagine, that has kind of crossed boundaries to go well beyond healthcare for the last few years. So um, that's what we do as a company.
0: So apart from the obvious, which is the pandemic and your most recent foray into the airspace, um, why is your business important in today's world?
1: So our ethos really is we, I think, we call ourselves technologists. We love technology. We believe technology is going to save our world. And we love to build things that create value in a very impactful way. Uh, That's really who we are and what we're all about. And and our supply chain extends from designing stuff in Boston to Germany, where we do a lot of engineering and to Asia, where we do a lot of the semiconductor manufacturing. And we work very closely with Samsung as well in South South Korea. So so if you think about it, given the talent that we are fortunate to have cultivated over the years and our interest and and what we believe in, uh, we have always felt that we want to built products and services and bring it to the world in a very innovative but effective way that can add a value for sustainability, for well-being, and for challenging the wasteful practices of of, of our current current planet. And we we started there with bringing to market the the first of its kind, ultra-efficient LEDs. We were 30 to 50% more efficient than traditional LEDs and about 90% more efficient than your traditional fluorescent lighting. Uh, And then that evolved into smart building and smart lighting because that was kind of where the opportunity became, now that you had efficient lighting, what else can you do? If you made them smart and turn them on and off and dim them, you could further optimize it. And then that kind of pivoted into how can we use everything we know about lighting and smart buildings to add value beyond just energy savings? And this kind of happened around 2015 where we were studying uh, together in a, the executive team, and I and we said, if you think about it, it's kind of quite an a, quite an amazing phenomenon that you have lights almost every feet in the building with a fixture and electricity coming through it. It got to do more than just save you money, and that's when we said, how can we apply everything we know about small building on smart building automation, manipulating spectrums of light and creating different wavelengths of light, and marrying that with other chemical compositions to add value in a different way. And, and that's how we got into agri- agricultural lighting. We got into poultry lighting. And then along the same concepts and around the same time, we got into how we could use light spectrum to do disinfection as well.
0: So Dinesh, you're from Ghana originally, grew up speaking English, and your grandparents were from India. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. So t- this is a very fascinating, but of also a very common story of migration not only from India, but from other countries, but take us back and tell us exactly what happened, how, and why.
1: Sure. Um, so my, my, my granddad uh, was actually one of seven brothers and he was, our original hometown is a state called Sindh in the northwestern part of India. And during the 1940s in the time of colonization, uh, when uh, uh, India was being divided into India and Pakistan. A lot of people in the middle kind of lost their homes because, you know, what was considered a general area was now being divided politically into different countries. So my granddad and his his brothers actually went to hide in, you know, British boats uh, to prevent being a prisoner of war or going to fight. And these boats were trading with other ex-British colonies at that time. And, and that's literally how my, my granddad ended up in Ghana, Western Africa, which at that time was a was a British colony as well. And many of his brothers, you know, ended up in Hong Kong. So today, you know, fast forward, you know, 60, 70 years, we have a lot of family there uh, and some came to the U.S. But it was a, it was a common practice uh, of those who didn't want to be part of the political situation and wanted to leave uh, would go to the other colonies that you know, was, was, was ruling you know, the countries at that, at those times. So my granddad went there and, and, you know, he, he made a living for himself. He, he adapted, he was an entrepreneur, uh, and, uh, 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 raised a family there. And that's where my dad was born. And that's where my brother, myself, and my younger sister were born. And that became home.
0: That's really fascinating. But again, as you said, it, it's, it's not an uncommon story. Um, and just to be clear, your your grandfather's options were really slim. It was either fight in a war, convert to Islam, or
1: escape. Right. Right. And and many would actually seek refuge in India. And and many people did that, where they would go but start from scratch. Right. They they didn't have a home state. They they, they lost all their property. They lost all their jobs. They lost all their land, and just have to start from scratch.
0: And you obviously were able to straddle two um, very different, I would say, uh, kinds of cultures, um, Western Africa, Indian subcontinent. So how has your experience of being an immigrant from another country, you know, has that impacted your business style or, or the kinds of goals you set for yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, and I think most, most immigrants who come to the U.S. for better opportunities or for a better, better life can probably relate to this is, uh, there's so many things over here in the US uh, that many people take for granted. And, And growing up, we were not exposed to many of these facilities or little infrastructure stuff like internet. I remember growing up, there were times where Ghana during the 90s had something called load shedding, where there was not enough electricity on the grid. So they would publish in the newspaper that for this week, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. You're not going to have electricity, right? So I remember my brother and I would come home and we had to finish all our homework before it gets dark because when it gets dark, you, you, there's nothing much you can do with candles, Just go to bed, right? Little things like this where we, we grew up of it being the norm and that's the life we knew. And when we when I came to the U.S., uh, you realize how much more advanced the infrastructure is and, and you realize how much of an opportunity this is um, to be able to have fast internet, to be able to have good roads or infrastructure to move around or to meet people. uh, uh, And and to me, there's so much here to be grateful of that we didn't have growing up. And that changes your perspective, you know, and, and, you know, most immigrants say this, that, you know, the United States is a lot of opportunity because there is a good infrastructure that creates enough, Opportunity for you to come from nothing, right? I remember when I came here, I didn't know anybody, uh, 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 and it's not—it's less about who you know specifically, which how it works back home in Ghana. So you could—you could know you could have a lot of information, I have a lot of skills, but it comes down to you know who you know for the most part. While that is important over here, of course, you know there's so many cases we see every single day where someone would come far away from a, from country, knowing no, no one, but worked really hard, worked honestly. It worked in, in, in uh, to develop certain skills and become successful, and I think it's just this very well balanced society that we have in the U.S. that creates a platform for doing that. So it, it makes me always grateful what we have here. Most countries don't have that, and and it changes your attitude. You walk, wake up every morning, and you say, "You got to seize this opportunity."
0: Makes you more humble, more grateful, more appreciative. Uh, that that's fascinating. To see to- that. You know, 12 hours a day, you don't have electricity. That not that just crazy to think about now? Yeah. Uh, so you came to the U.S. in 2008 uh, as a student on your right. student visa. You went to Babson. Of course, you already spoke English, but adapting to U.S. culture is always a, a challenge and a, an, an experience for everyone.
1: So my dad would say... Even throughout the entire my entire high school, and when I was deciding when I wanted where I want to go to school, what I want to study, he would say, "Hey, listen, you have a good plan B. Uh, if things don't work out, you know you can always come back to Ghana. And you can, you can either you work in the family business, or you know we, we are old timers here, and we can find some opportunities for you. But but frankly, go to the United States, make a better life for yourself, and don't come back." Right. And, and that was the message that, you know, he, he gave me and my brother when, when we came to study. And, you know, when I, when I came and I landed in Atlanta, Logan airport, I remember, it was a, the day before probably orientation and I land and, and I still remember this the day till today is like, okay, here's where I got to make my life. Right. My goal is to learn, obviously, make, you know make, make, meet new relationships and make, make relationships and meet new people. But really, going to make a living for myself and the goal is to make the family proud and take advantage of you know my education and what I'm coming here to do uh, of what they have sent me here to do and and not go back
0: uh, so you found it think like in 2009 and in just a few years you were in 14 different countries like that must have been a roller coaster
1: it was and and I would say that had that every almost every single connection of that you know, came from the Babson community, which is quite incredible. Um, it's it's very international, as, as you probably know, and a lot of friends, and I was fortunate enough to be on the scholarship program at Babson. So every semester, I'd meet, you know, have the opportunity to meet with the trustees, who also were from all over the world, and they would be intrigued with think like, and, and what would be doing. And it was it was quite a very supportive, you know, environment where I remember, Doing classes where I would tell the professor I gotta travel the next three weeks because we have these you know big projects or big deals that I think I have to be there for, and the professor would say keep a diary of it and I'll accept that as your thesis, you know, uh, very real and 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 very quickly given the small community was. Uh, uh, many of the professors, the dean, the president at that time, uh, were full-length in library closely. And till today, I'm so ever grateful to them because of the support that I received. And they would be making introductions all the time. And the exposure we got, you know, within the U.S., of course, but even internationally, was we got to seize the opportunity. So the next thing I know, they would say, this is incredible technology. And you are saving a lot of money for businesses and making a lot of impact in the U.S., you know, can you come and do it, you know, in the United Kingdom? Can you come and do it in Thailand? Can you come and do it in Singapore? And I'm like, absolutely. And they would say, and, you know, they, they would they would literally treat, treat it like a real business. And they would say, okay, great. Do you have a team that can come over and train the people? And I would say, yes, let's go. And there was, you, I would forget many times that I'm still, still in college, you know, and I have to attend class. And I would say, I'll come back and catch up. And and I would go. So it was throughout, you know, from 20 10, all the way up to 2015, uh, there was a lot of expansion internationally where we were building a foundation in those countries where we had large distributors and, and, and we were making a lot of impacts with our technologies over there, which fostered growth in the US and vice versa too.
0: You're not quite doing exactly what you did at the beginning. So, so tell us how the pandemic impacted your business.
1: Sure. So, you know, around... 2015, we made a conscious decision of how can we leverage our technology, our experience, our relationships in the marketplace to do more than just save energy, right? Like I mentioned before, and I think the single most uh, uh, important change that I personally experienced, and at the company was, we started an an initiative to say, each time we would close a, a big project and go do a lighting project for them. Uh, I would like to speak to the head of facilities or the head of operations, myself personally, and say, can you please tell me a little bit more about the other problems you're facing when you're challenging in your workplace or in your facility. One of the biggest things that really changed the trajectory of our company was this initiative to ask customers what else we can do for them. And that's where we learned a lot more we learned more about a lot more opportunities that we can address, whether it was they have good lighting, but it wasn't smart enough, or they had good lighting, but they needed to have a unique spectrum of light to increase their yield of a produce, or when talking to hospitals, which is most, most relevant you know, in this day and age, we were working with Boston Children's Hospital uh, back in 2017, and you know, we learned from the facilities people that they, their number one challenge was hospital-acquired infections to via the air. And this is not something that's unique to any particular hospital. This is something that exists forever, right? And if you think about it, when people come to the hospital, because you're unwell, they are sick, you know, they are coughing, you're spreading germs and diseases. And simultaneously, you have people there who are undergoing surgery or who have compromised immune systems or are unwell. And these two groups of people are on the same roof, sharing the same air. It's quite a recipe for disaster. And, and unfortunately, there's no better way, right? I mean, that's just the nature of, of, of how the facility is. And what happens all the time, which really caught my heart was the number one cause of death in our country was secondhand transmission of germs in these hospitals. And, and, and I'm discussing that saying, we are replacing fixtures every three feet. They gotta be a better way. And that's when the idea of producing a light fixture that can also purify the air at the same time was born. And that evolved into let's leverage that technology to now monitor it and make it smart. So we even know how bad the air is to start with. And we can always keep it that way. And then it evolved into let's make it connected to the HVAC system so it could be even smarter, and it evolved into you know let's make standalone units. Here we have found ourselves where we built an entire ecosystem of technology that could monitor the air, tell you if there's a viral load in the air, light fixtures that would seamlessly clean the air free of these viral particles and the whole world was you know coming to a standstill because of an airborne virus and it it, it took COVID-19 our global pandemic for people to realize that you don't need to be in a hospital to to share air with someone to get disease from that that's when for the first time we learned that what we thought was a niche in the healthcare world Uh, is now something that is applicable everywhere else. And and that's how the pandemic really changed our Thinklight Air division. And next thing we know, our marketplace just, you know, expanded by, you know, an infinite fold, really, of the addressable market.
0: Oh, wow. Dinesh, that's incredible. So finally, Dinesh, uh, as an immigrant to the U.S., you know, your grandparent was was taken in by Ghana, Uh, And you were taken in by the U.S. And this country has allowed you and your family and your business to thrive. Uh, How do you feel about the United States of America as, as your adopted homeland?
1: There's a very admirable amount of respect in this country for people who work hard, for people who are trying to make a positive impact. And, you know, whoever you share with, in my experience, what you're trying to do or what our business is about, um, they'll say, hey, talk to this person or you know have you thought of that? and, and this this celebration of solving problems in this country. I feel this country as a whole uh, really promotes entrepreneurship it promotes originality, it promotes you know trying to just do good and, and by doing good trying to to create uh, uh, trying to create good value for for people. Very few people can say that about the experience going to any other country really. And 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 being being embraced and being you know being part of the community to say hey we are here creating creating impact creating jobs uh, for the people in the country um, is, is really is really a nice a nice feeling so I'm I'm always going to be grateful to this country for that.
0: I think one of the things that makes the United States extra special is that it celebrates entrepreneurship and innovation, no matter where you come from. That's right. You know, it's 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 the idea, it's the hard work, and it's the value that's created. And I hope that you and Think Light are able to continue creating value and having a positive impact and purifying our air, please. We need that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. And we will continue doing our best to educate people on on this topic that is that is so important and affects their bottom line, right?
1: Yes, that's right. No, and thank you. And and it's 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 a joy to see the impact that the immigrant learning center does in uh, empowering, you know, whether it's by a language, by your life skills, and it's, it's always been close to my heart. So it's, I, I admire that. And it's such an important thing that we need to have for people who come here with, you know, with, with a twinkle in the eye and for opportunity and giving them these skills and giving them these tools to, to help them fulfill their dreams is something that's close to my heart. So, so thank you for that.
0: That's very nice of you to say, Dinesh. Thank you so much. Dinesh Wadwani, founder and CEO of Thinklight. Thank you for joining us in Job Makers.
1: Thank you, Denzel. A true pleasure.
0: JobMakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thanks for joining us for today's incredible story of immigrant entrepreneurship. Got comments, questions, or know someone we should talk to? Email Denzel, that's Denzil, that's D E N Z I L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. I'm Denzil Mohammed. See you next Thursday at noon for another Jobmakers.